find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Toxic masculinity. You know, that's something that we hear about way too often. But what about healthy masculinity? You know, I have this crazy notion, and you all know me, I have lots of crazy notions. But I have this crazy notion that there is such a thing, and there's a whole lot of healthy masculinity out there. And you know what? I know a whole lot of people, and I have a lot of friends, that qualify for healthy masculinity. And I happen to have a guest today that has written a book that can help people to understand how to craft and have healthy masculinity. What do you think, Frank? Can can we help people with this? <laughs> Hey, Nikki. <laughs> Thanks for having me. What an introduction. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> I think I think that's ultimately what my book is about. Yeah. I, I think I, I just I was inspired. Flow it just flowed out of you. I I love it. That's one of that's been one of the best introductions so far. So I'll take it. Yeah, it just you know, like I said, and and it's funny because it's funny when I when I push that record button. It usually something just pops in my head, and that's that's what that's what hit me. So I like it. I like it. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna introduce you, y'all. This is gonna be a good call. Let me just tell y'all, this is gonna be a fun show. Okay, <clears throat> all the way from Eastern New Jersey, I have Frank Paul Vignola. He is a professional self mastery coach and mentor with a unique perspective and a unique personal experience overcoming adversity. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to give you his background because I'm going to let him share that with you. But through his coaching sessions and his self-help guide, you're going to like this title, Crafting Masculinity, Qualities Men Want and How to Get Them. Now, and I think, now I'm just, I'm adding this little subtitle myself. I think... From from the parts I've read so far, these are also qualities women want men to have. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, from the female perspective, he also fosters a compassionate and open-minded environment that helps men realize their inner strength and full potential. I love that. He holds a strong belief that everyone is capable of positive transformation and is committed to guiding them toward discovering their own resilience. Wow. All right, Frank. I, I, I've been looking forward to this call. I have been looking forward to this show, and I really like your book so far. Love the layout. Love the cover. And I, I'm, just, I'm excited to share this information. So, so I'm glad to have you here today. I've been looking forward to this. And I, I could read your entire bio, but I want you to tell us a little bit about your backstory. We, we could talk an hour about that. But what 
in your background led you to become a men's life coach? So first off, thank you, Nikki, uh, and uh, I'm I'm honored to be here, and I've also been looking forward to this. Uh, so what led me to becoming a men's life coach, the abridged version, <laughs> the abridged version for a radio show where we have an hour to talk about everything, <laughs> so I'll cap this one at maybe two minutes. Um, no, uh, so I, I do talk about it in the first chapter. It's part of what made me decide to write the book, but it's also ultimately what ended up making me decide to become a coach is uh, I had a lot of struggles when I was younger, when I was, uh, you know, a child, and my, you know, I, I went through something that a lot of kids have gone through, which is a, a divorce and then a separation of the families and then moving and changing school districts and things like that. Uh, and that had an effect on me, uh, but also something else that had a pretty big effect on me was my relationship with my father, or maybe lack of. I, you know, he was he ended up getting cust full custody of me, but we we struggled. We struggled to connect. My father is, you know, he's a he's a retired police officer. He's a Vietnam vet. He's what some people might consider a man's man, a guy's guy. Um, definitely holds a lot of those traditional, um, uh, traditionally masculine uh, beliefs and adheres to a lot of those ideals. And, uh, and we had a very hard time connecting. And I think that at a very young age, I felt, and I would have never been able to articulate what I was feeling then, but looking back on it now, I think that I felt a deficiency in my masculinity at a really young age because my father, he, he always... I always sensed disappointment in him, um, and not necessarily just disappointment in you know my performance in school or you know or bringing home a bad report card. It was more like I felt like he felt disappointment in my character, and it was specific to what seemed like male behavior. And I, again, I, I was never I would have never been able to articulate those things when I was a kid, but I sensed it. I felt it. Why? Why aren't you like the other boys? Or well, look at you. You so and so does this. You know, Danny does this and Joey does that, you know, why don't you do those things too? And um, I think it ended up, yeah, it just, it, it created this feeling of deficiency and what ended up happening as uh, the longer I lived with him is I ended up really just kind of rejecting his character in return. I think that was my, you know, if you want to call it a trauma response or uh, defense mechanism, I rejected his character in return and everything about it. And that included everything about masculinity and I, you know, through my teens, I wondered why I was still struggling with connecting with men. Um, but, you know, subconsciously, I had rejected everything about masculinity and wasn't aware of it. Uh, and it was somewhere in my teens uh, towards the end, you know, 17, 18, when I was at a boy's home uh, for, you know, let's just say for troubled boys. Uh, some, some, some were, you know, had problems with drug and alcohol, some had family issues, and some were criminals. Uh, I was a little bit of all the above. But, um, but yeah, I was, in, I was in that program for two years after having been in and out of other programs for another two or three. Uh, so I had met some really good mentors while I was there. And they again, without making this too long, let's just say that they were two people who were able to penetrate 
to my core with their message. And, um, and I started seeing things that I didn't know were there. I started believing in myself. And I think that was where my journey began where I started, I guess, if you will, you know, it's like a plug, I started crafting masculinity. Um, I didn't know that I was doing it then, but I knew that I was, um, I was developing myself. I was believing in myself. I was doing the work. And it turned me into a person that kind of organically has now has a role of coach. And uh, I, that was something I would have never expected, <laughs> especially growing up with a deficiency in my masculinity. I almost feel like my role was given to me. It's just I, I felt it more and more based on how other people responded to me, and it was a really very organic, almost seamless transition into becoming a life coach for men. Uh, and then a few years, well, more than a few, you know, probably... I've been doing this for about 10 plus years. I uh, started the book three years ago. So yeah, around the sixth or seventh year, I knew that there was something else that I needed to do. And, uh, and it, yeah, it, it just felt right. This was the, you know, I had some, read some other books that also were a source of inspiration on this topic of masculinity. Uh, but yeah, be, besides coaching men uh, in my, you know, in my, personal, uh, you know, my small business, one-on-one -on -one coaching, I wanted to be able to create something that both told a little bit of my story, but also was something that men could have and apply without, without me, you know, without me being there. Can I create something that, you know, that gives men a solution? And, uh, you know, it's a tall order. Uh, to be able to craft masculinity. First, you have to identify what masculinity is. Uh, so it was a tall order, but it was one that I thought was important, and this was my best attempt at that. You know, How many it's, minutes it's was that? Was that three? I should have set a timer. <laughs> I'm going to set a timer for the next question. <laughs> that was fine. That was um, it's interesting the number of guests that I've had on that it seems like their their purpose and what they were meant to do found them. You know, it's not like they went out mm -hmm. and found it themselves, but through their life and the things that they needed, the thing that they were meant to do actually found them. And it's amazing yes. when that happens. I know it, it, that's kind of what happened to me. You know, and then um, <clears throat> once you figure it out, you you get to the point where you have to share it. You know, <clears throat> you you find the information, you figure it out, and then it's like I got to share this. You know, this is this is good. <laughs> you know? So one hundred percent, yeah. It's uh, it's almost like an obligation. It uh, it feels like yeah. a responsibility. Like, hey, I didn't I didn't ask for this gift, but I I've been given this gift, and I've only learned about it through the responses of other people. And now that I have this, I I have to do something with it. You know, we can call it a gift. We can call it uh, an awareness, a knowledge. Uh, you know, some people just say paying it forward. Um, I like the line from Spider-Man. <laughs> um, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Maybe that one's a little too pompous because <laughs> I don't think I'm a superhero. But, uh, but yes, it's, uh, it's, it's the same concept, though, is that there's a certain pull 
to do something that we can't quite describe. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it found me, and then along with that came this drive to, um, to do the work and to, to get the message out there and to help other people do the same thing for themselves. Right. Right. Now, <clears throat> there, there are some people who have a feeling, and I, I want to know your perspective on this. I know my perspective on this, but I want to know yours, that think if we're encouraging men to embrace their masculinity, that means that we are automatically, in turn, shaming women in femininity. What do you think about that? I think that that's a very, very limited and incomplete uh, uh, thing to deduce. Um, And uh, it's not to say that there aren't people out there who are doing just that. Sure, they exist. Me, personally, and I talk about this early in the book, uh, I don't see men and women as opposites. Uh, I actually say that because I don't see men and women as opposites, that when I say, hey, here's a quality or an attribute that I think will be attractive uh, or that I think will be um, complementary for a man to develop uh, in himself, that that by default means that I think that it would be unattractive um, or, or not possible for a woman to develop in herself. Uh, I even say uh, pretty boldly, I hereby revoke your right to deduce those things about me um, because I, I don't feel that way. If I say, well, I think men are strong. Oh, okay, so that means you think women are weak? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> because I don't think that men and women are opposites. In, in fact, I think that masculinity and femininity have a good deal of overlap. And I also think, I'll go one step further, I also think that it's beneficial to both men and women and any other gender identity to embrace both. This is a book about crafting masculinity, but if men think for one second that I'm suggesting that they should never explore their feminine side, they're sadly mistaken. I'm not one of those masculinists. Um, I do identify as an advocate for men and, uh, you know, a life coach for men, a supporter of men and men's needs. And you could call me a masculinist as long as your definition of masculinist is one who believes in gender equality um, and not just the advocation for one gender uh, over the other. And also that uh, is somebody who believes that masculinity and femininity is actually healthy for both genders. Uh, there are even parts of this book where I am making, gently making some suggestions that people could call feminine. You know, when, I, when I'm talking about the physical body and I say that I think that solidifying the body is, uh, is important for a man and it's a quality uh, that's admired by a lot of men and wanted for themselves, I say, hey, okay, cool, start with a solid foundation. But I also say later, now let's add in a little bit of fluidity. Let's color it with a little bit of fluidity. That's what I was essentially saying. You know, and, and some people will figure that out, is that by fluidity I'm actually referring to something that many people will consider a feminine attribute. Same thing with emotions. When I say regulating emotions, it's not just about being able to, uh, to manage them and um, 
and stay level-headed. It's also being able to produce them and access them. It's being able to purge and have a good cry for catharsis. Uh, and some people might say, oh, actually that, you know, encouraging empathy and encouraging getting in touch with your emotions is actually more of a feminine quality. I'll, I accept that, sure. Maybe in my, through my lens, crafting really healthy masculinity does mean that. <laughs> it means incorporating a little bit of femininity into it as well. It's true. Well, both of us need to understand our feminine and masculine side. And we do have masculine and feminine sides and personalities and energies and all of those things and traits, you know. And we need to understand that and we need to embrace them and we need to not fight them, you know. And well, and one thing too, and I mean, I'm a woman, so I may be wrong about this, but I think there's so much confusion about how to actually be a man. I, you know, because there's there's all this pressure that you have to be a certain way to be a quote unquote man. Okay. Um. And I think especially in the last, I don't know, 10 years, that's really gotten more confusing. Um, Just from the things that I've seen being put out in the media and all that, on social media and all this kind of stuff. You know, and the confusion has got to be insane, especially for younger people. Um, And I, I know things that I've seen as far as some of the people that I know, I wish they had had better role models, better information um, from older generations as far as what it means to be a man, how to treat women, how to treat people, how to respect people, how to... Um, have empathy and compassion for people, um, how to relate to people, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they just didn't, you know, and and even now they have no clue, you know. Um, And, I, I mean, there's so much great information in here. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm looking through this book going, oh, yeah, yes. Please, you know, and it's just, it's amazing the stuff that you're sharing in here. I'm looking through here going, another great point. Yes. (laughs) I'm loving the information in here, you know, and it's, uh, there's so much information in here for women. Oh my goodness. You know, but it's just, yeah, actually, that's, uh, you know, I just, I don't see the downside. I, I don't see the downside. You know, even even if there's information that you don't feel, think particularly, you know, applies to you, there's so much amazing information in here. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, you know. <clears throat> All right. But I, I, I do agree. That. And I appreciate that. And I... I hope people approach my book the same way that you're describing, um, with openness and curiosity, but also discernment. You know, there's going to be things in the book that you might say, 
oh, yeah, this is something that I need to really reassess, and this is a good reminder. I want to spend a little extra time in this chapter or in this section. Then there might be other ones right. that somebody might say, this is less important to me, or maybe even, ah, this isn't for me, or how about even I don't agree with this. I'm okay with that. I'm okay right. with that. My, my book is, um, is descriptive, not prescriptive. I'm not prescribing anything and saying this is the way. I'm, I'm describing the way that worked for me, and I'm basing it on my personal experience combined with years of coaching men and what I've learned men appear to admire in other men and, um, and desire for themselves. And you right. also mentioned something, I don't know, <laughs> forgive me, I can't remember if you mentioned it on one of our uh, private calls before this or if you mentioned it while we were um, uh, recording, but you mentioned that it's also things that women would like men to have more of. And while I don't talk yes. about that in the book, I'm 100% in agreement with you. Um, I think that, uh, that that is an inspiration for men, uh, for sure. I think that I took the approach that I took here because I wanted to make this book um, about here, craft the masculinity that you want for yourself, for your own personal reasons, um, and look at some of the people who you admire or who, you, uh, or who may, maybe have qualities that you envy and you want for yourself and use that as a source of inspiration as well. And, uh, and I'll probably touch on that somewhere in the book and provide uh, some tools or some kind of formula to learn how to acquire that for yourself. The reason why I don't mention here the things that women find attractive in men um, is while it might be the same book essentially or while it might be a lot of overlap is that it could be it could be kind of perpetuating the narrative that men have to be a certain way for a woman right and um, and I'm trying to come from a place of be this way for yourself and be confident yes. in that and trust that that confidence, if you have some integrity, some nobility, some honor in your masculinity, and, and it's healthy, and you have a lot of confidence in it, and it's authentic, just trust that that's going to be attractive. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, do yeah. it for you. Don't do it for somebody do it for else. You. Do it for you. Exactly. Yeah. Completely agree. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. that's like, I, I love, you've got a list of 200 or over 200 personal values. Who, do, who even talks about values anymore? I love this, you know? You're and, right. And, you know, yeah, it's not being talked about. And, and 200! <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> but love this. And it's I like, am... Uh... Who, I, I just... I, who has even thought about, I can't believe you came up with 200. This is amazing. You know, but... Well, I, I, I certainly thinking, pulled that from other sources. Um, you know, hmm. I had some of my own in there, but I, I definitely did my research and pulled values from other sources and then put together this uh, big kind of hodgepodge of, uh, of over 200 values in alphabetical order. And, uh, yeah, I mean... I, I think that it's important, and you're right, they're not really being talked about that much these days, and I'm hoping to bring that back because uh, I do it a lot in my coaching, and as you can see, I think it's really important as for uh, crafting masculinity. A lot of times what I do is I, 
I take the thing that I think guys want for themselves, and then I work in reverse order. And um, right. if a guy wants to feel confident, that confidence could be rooted, is likely rooted in some sort of self-worth, is that he believes right. in himself and he believes that he has worth. And I think self-worth comes from having an identity, is that you know who you are, you know what you're good at, you know what you value and what's important to you, and you have purpose. And uh, right. so I had to, again, it's just working backwards and, and going in reverse order. And then it's like, okay, so men need to identify their values as one of the steps in developing an identity for themselves and ultimately having self-worth. And all of this is ultimately, yeah, of course it could have a f positive effects in multiple areas of life, but my formula and my reasoning for putting it in the book is I found it to be the, uh, you know, the, the foundation of, of, a, of a healthy uh, and confident masculinity, but really, really this was about, this is the journey to confidence. I think this right. is the best way to acquire confidence. Yes, taking risks and doing that stuff too, which I talk about later in the book, but I really think the foundation of confidence um, is, uh, and self-worth is these, these things. It's knowing your strengths and what you're good at and being able to identify your values and live your life by them. Right. Well, you know, and, and it's, um, I see things from time to time saying that you know, when when people are looking for a life partner and, you know, or somebody to date seriously, you know, do you share the same values? And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm just wondering how many people, I mean, that's that's wonderful to say, but how many people have really thought about seriously sat down and blocked everything else out and just thought, yeah. okay, what are my values? You know, because they think, yeah. okay, what do I want as far as, you know, height, eye color, hair color, you know, income, where they want to live, how many kids they want, all that kind of stuff. You know, the more superficial stuff. But yeah. have you thought, what kind of life do they want? What kind of, what kind of values do they want? And really, because that's, that's the core stuff. That's okay. That is know, the core stuff to any healthy relationship. It's not. Yeah. It's not how you're attracted. How much you're attracted to the person, or it's certainly exactly. not how good the sex is. Although that's important, but <laughs> you know, if if that starts to fade, guess what you're left with? <laughs> you're left with who they yeah. are at their core. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you, Nikki. One hundred percent on this is that um, values is uh, a. a it's an, it's an avenue or it's a pathway to, uh, to learning to love ourselves and have great self-worth and live a life of alignment, but it's yeah. also a great way to make better decisions about the people who we let into our life. Um, and absolutely, it is crucial to know our values uh, and to seek some kind of alignment when we're choosing a life partner. I yeah. do, couldn't do, agree with you more do on you that. Wonder, do you wonder how many people are dating, engaged, or even married, and if you ask their partner's values, they couldn't tell you? Um, I used to, and now the answer is no, I don't, because I think that I know, <laughs> and it's not enough. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I, I used to exactly. wonder, that, but what I've learned from exploring that is, um, is not enough. 
Most don't. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say most people don't even know their own values. And they'll tell you that they do. And then when you ask them to list them, they'll struggle. And it's like, okay, so you think you know them, but you don't actually have words for them, which means if I ask you, are you living a life that's in alignment in your value, uh, with your values, how are you, what's, what's, What's your barometer for measuring that if you don't know what the actual words are? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I have, I, I just hit on an idea for something we need to talk about after we're done with the show. But remind me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I <Okay>. will. <laughs> okay. Now, now everybody's going, oh, what do you talk about? <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, how can we just, I, I think this next one's important. Now, how can we discern the difference between Toxic masculinity, which is bad. We don't want that, but there, there is plenty of it out there. And healthy masculinity, which we need more of. So we need to understand the difference between those two things. We do. Um, toxic masculinity is a, is a, has become a buzzword. It's a term that was coined yeah. in the 1980s, actually during the men's movement, uh, ironically enough. And... Uh, it's, uh, it's become a buzzword that's being tossed around very loosely on the Internet, kind of like the term narcissist, yeah. is that you know, right. there's been a lot of liberation for people who have been victims of narcissistic abuse, which I see as a positive thing. But from that, we have a lot of people on social media calling other people narcissists the second they show any degree of self-love. And it's, it's being used yeah. erroneously and too often. I think the same thing exists for toxic masculinity. Um, and, uh, and I think it's really important that we're able to discern the difference. It's a lot to unpack, uh, but I will try and simplify it into this. I think toxic masculinity um, suppresses, and it strives for power. It puts down, it puts out, and it, um, it suppresses, and it strives for power. And I think healthy masculinity regulates and strives for balance. So, you know, toxic masculinity, it, um, it's, it suppresses emotions, it puts down women, um, and, it, and it strives for power in that regard. And I think, and that's just two examples, and I think healthy masculinity regulates and strives for balance, and that could be applied to emotions and, um, and view of, you know, the, of the other gender. Um, and it's... Uh, it's striving for balance. It's what can I bring to make society and humanity better? You know, um, men can do things women can't, and women can certainly do things men can't. And because of that, we are different, not opposites, but different. And what energy and what qualities uh, what qualities? What qualities can I work to develop in myself um, to create balance in humanity? You know, and I think women obviously can do the same work for themselves. And you know, Nikki, I understand it's 2023 and there's no rules anymore. You know, gender is becoming neutralized, and a lot of people think, ah, I don't have to follow gender norms. I can, I could be a man and wear a dress. I could be a woman and shave my head. And yes, you can. And you could be a woman and embrace your masculinity. You could be a, a man and embrace your femininity and everything in between. But for those who 
um, who identify as, you know, uh, or not even, I was going to say for those who identify as men or women, I'm actually just going to say, um, you know, scratch the gender binary. I'm going to say for those who do value the sacred forces or see masculinity and femininity as sacred forces, I would say one way to achieve healthy masculinity is to simply look at what can I bring, what qualities do I need to bring to create balance. So, yeah, that's, you know, there's, there's so much more to unpack with that, but, but essentially healthy masculinity I don't think suppresses or puts anything out or strives for power. I don't. I think, I think one thing with healthy masculinity, too, is instead of being about power and control, it's more about support and care. Sure. And, and, well, because, and I think I agree with you. But I, and I think that women also provide support and care, but in a different way. And I think that, yeah. that actually is the balance that I'm talking about. You know, a lot of people say, and I never say this anywhere in my book, men provide. Nonsense. Yeah. Women provide too. <laughs> women, women provide a lot. It's just, well, what do men provide? Okay, maybe if we're talking about, you know, back in the day, in the 1950s, you know, and maybe even in some cases today for people who follow, you know, certain traditions um, and gender, gender traditions, maybe they would say that the men provide the bread and butter, you know, but women are still providing. You know, if women are right. providing nurturance or emotional support. So, um, so, yes, but I think that that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's a good example of ways that we can provide balance is, um, is healthy masculinity can provide nurturance and support, and, but the way that we do it could differ from the, from the woman. Well, and it's, it's not one or the other. The thing is, male and female complement one another. They don't. They shouldn't be competing. They they both have a place, and they both complement each other. You know, and it's, it's it's like I I have this crazy notion, and I've said this on here a million times. Well, okay, at least a thousand. But so it's, it's twice as week. Okay, um, I I see a relationship as um, a partnership. You know, it's not one over the other, not one under the other, but it's a partnership, you know, in working together to make a family, a home, or whatever you're, you're making, but it's, it's working together, you know, and I, I, get, I get strange looks and strange reactions sometimes, but that's the way I've always seen it, you know. I and, totally and agree with is, you, and I, yeah. You know, in, in a partnership, you're working to support and help one another. Now, some, each person has their strengths, and whatever your strength is, that's what you should, you should be working on, you know. And if, if I'm better at one thing, that's what I'll work on. You're better at something else, that's what you'll work on, you know. But, you know, it, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm going to push to do whatever, no matter who's better at it. That's crazy. You know, do what you're good at and get it. Let's just get it done. You know, I don't know. I, I completely I, agree I, with you. No, I, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. And I would say that, you know, that's why I think it's perfectly okay for, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a, a guy to stay at home and uh, pursue, you know, his, uh, 
his love of um, of acting or the arts, and the woman is the breadwinner, and he provides mm-hmm. in other ways, and she provides in the way that she knows how, and that's totally okay. Yes. And then sometimes that the dynamic can change and the roles can shift, and I think that that's okay too, that ultimately you bring – uh, something to the table and that it creates balance. Mm. Uh, but in the context of the conversation of masculinity and femininity, you know, one might say that one, you know, that certain things that we do could be embracing our masculine energy versus certain things we do could be brace, embracing our feminine energy. So if we're, you know, if we're taking care of the children or if we're providing emotional support uh, or practicing being empathic, maybe one would say, that we're showing support, you know, in the conversation of masculinity and femininity, we're showing support uh, by leaning into uh, a feminine, a more feminine energy. And if we're, you know, if we're providing, you know, uh, security or, um, or protection uh, from danger uh, or, uh, you know, or, or just, you know, practical things like, you know, like money, that that could be maybe more leaning into a masculine energy. So in the conversation of healthy masculinity, I, I think that uh, it's, it's figuring out what those things are, but acknowledging the balance as opposed to, like you said, seeking power or control or dominance. Right, right which I think leans more now, towards toxic. Yes, yes, agreed. Okay, now you say that you take an internal and external approach to crafting masculinity. Tell me what that means. So some of the chapters in my book elicit an internal process, like, for example, I just talked about regulating emotions, uh, you know, uh, understanding times when we need to access more of our logical thinking or rational thinking, and then also learning how to maybe um, self-generate an emotion um, or, or, or access our emotions for another situation, is that that's an internal process. It's internal work. Same thing with identifying our values, and same thing with understanding our strengths, uh, learning how to be more noble or, um, you know, aligning our principles. That's all essentially internal work. And then it manifests outward into actions. But the approach is initially, uh, you know, it's, an, it's, it's soliciting an, an internal process. And I think that we can also do elicit an external process to crafting masculinity when it comes to things like... Um, bonding with other men and, uh, you know, doing something that's competitive in nature or, um, or uh, solidifying our body and learning about our body language and, and what certain uh, postures and positions say about what we're feeling uh, or what kind of uh, energy it gives off. Same thing with our voice. Learn ways to use our voice to sound confident or at times when necessary, maybe authoritative. Um, you know, or, uh, or when setting a boundary or asserting ourselves, is that the voice is an instrument and we can learn how to use it in a way that aligns with the guy that we want, the man that we want to be. Uh, so those are all external processes. They're more technical. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a technical approach, whereas the other stuff is more of a, maybe more of an emotional or psychological internal approach. I think that it's important to do both. You know, it's amazing the difference in the tone of voice. 
and it's it's interesting mm-hmm. how, and I think social media has made that really really obvious because you can't hear a tone of voice on social media because it's written, right. you know. So yeah, you know. Whereas we can hear the nuance when somebody says something to us, but you can't hear like the sarcasm or the concern or whatever, you know, when somebody types something, you know, and it's, it's funny because you, you see the words, but you don't hear anything behind it. So you don't know right. how somebody meant it. And I can I feel bad for, for younger people because they, they don't, they don't miss that. They don't realize all of the essence of the things we're all used to, you know. Um, you know, those of us yeah. who are a little bit older, you know, a little older. Um, you know, <laughs> Emphasis um, on little. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little older. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, um, but it's... It, well, it's strange that you can you can make such a difference in the volume or the tone or the emphasis, you know. So you know, with with your acting, which I know you incorporate in your coaching, um, there's there's so many ways that you can incorporate things to communicate. And I know communication is an element, and I can't imagine you don't you don't include that in your book. Um, so you know, with with body language and expression and your tone of voice. So is that something that you deal with too? Yes. I think that, you know, there's communication. There's a lot of that throughout the book. Um, I definitely talk about communication, assertive communication, in the chapter uh, Braving Fears, which is quite literally about, you know, braving our fears and being more courageous. But, you know, assertive communication, setting boundaries, uh, being willing to ask for, uh, you know, what we need or what we want, uh, being able to say no, things of that nature. Uh, But also, yes, in our delivery and being able to use our instruments. You know, we have these bodies. <laughs> we have our, our fingers and, and our hands and our illustrators, the way that we use them. We have our voice. And we could do stuff with that too. And that's one of, the, 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 one of my greatest takeaways from the years that I spent acting is, uh, is I learned how to use those things. And I learned how to master those things and, uh, and use them as instruments. And it was, it was a big part of my, my crafting of my masculinity. So I needed to incorporate that into the book. You know, there's just want to give one or two quick examples, you know, with the voice, one thing that I notice a lot of guys, uh, not just guys, but uh, a lot of people doing, I'll just, I'll leave this one uh, genderless, but um, a lot of people will not finish their sentences. They will, they'll trail off at the end of their sentence like that. You know, they'll start off strong and then they'll drop the end of their sentence. (laughs) And it's like... that's usually a sign that somebody subconsciously is feeling like what they're saying doesn't have value or that they don't deserve to be heard. So maybe there's a little bit of internal work that needs to be done first, which is, hey, you do deserve to be heard. But 
may, you know, first, I should say at the same time, they could be done simultaneously. Uh, you know, on the other hand, you know, while they're trying to convince themselves and, you know, through positive affirmations of, hey, I deserve to be heard, I have, uh, I have something important to say and I want to be heard, uh, instead of waiting for that to manifest into, uh, you know, a stronger use of their speaking voice, and better vocal production, they could take a technical approach and say, well, you know what, I'm just not going to drop off the end of my sentences. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I hit yeah. the consonants and I pronounce the words and I enunciate and that I finish the ends of my sentences. And that, that's right. a sign that somebody wants to be heard. It's, a, it's speaking with some degree of conviction. Uh, you know, it's also learning about, you know, if you have a lot of nasality, learning how to open up the soft palate and, and get some resonance in the chest and in the lower parts uh, so that your, your voice goes further. For men, a lot of men want a deeper voice. Okay, that's fine. You could work out your lower range. I have some tools in there on how to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think that we have all of these things. For anybody out there who is a self-development nerd like me and they want to work on themselves, it's not just about our mind. It's not just about our emotions. We have these bodies and we have these instruments that, you know, that we've been given, and why not learn to master those too? I do not think that it's straying from our authenticity because a lot of people might, um, their rebuttal may be, um, well, this is, my, this is my natural voice. Why shouldn't I just accept it the way it is and learn to change, and, you know, and learn to live with that? Yeah, okay, you can, you can do both actually. You can, accept, uh, but, you, know, you can accept your voice for what it is and you can accept your natural speaking voice and simultaneously acknowledge that you may not yet have mastered it as an instrument and there's more to be explored if you choose to do so. You know, uh, if, somebody's, if that's somebody's response or defense to me saying, hey, I think it's important for you to work on your voice and also work on your body, if they say, well, I think it's important that I just accept who I am, I would ask them if that same philosophy applies to um, trauma responses, uh, you know, and, uh, and other parts of ourself that, you know, we, we need to work on, like, you know, emotional things and, you know, and, and, other, and other layers of who we are. For example, if we, you know, if we have poor executive function or if we know that we are procrastinators or we're, um, we're regularly uh, not punctual, you know, is... Um, <laughs> is is it a uh, appropriate or uh, is it um, a valid response to say, well, you know, I think it's important that I just accept myself the way that I am? Yeah, sure, you could do that, but you may struggle, you know, and you may be really limiting yourself um, by choosing to not work on yourself and develop yourself and try and be the best version of you that you can be. And all I'm saying is that the same way that we could do that with our emotions and our mind, I think that the same thing can be applied to our voices and our bodies. Well, we what about something even as simple as, as singing lessons? Just because we have the ability to sing doesn't mean that we're doing it to the best of our ability, right? right. Correct. Yeah, yeah. If somebody, if somebody came to me and they had a, a, a really great natural singing voice, I mean, if you, you have a child and they, they, have a really, they just have a knack for it, they have a really nice singing voice, what's the first thing we think of doing? Well, let's get them some singing lessons <laughs> so that they can become even better. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, wow, you're really good at this. You should take some lessons. <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay. These are the ways that we can make it even better. Yeah. 
learn how to enhance the, the abilities that you already have. That's right. That's right. Just a thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. Huh. Okay. All right. So would somebody that feels they've been disenfranchised but they're not really meeting, you know, what society thinks is like the standard of masculinity. Um, would they benefit from reading your book? Maybe more so than anyone else. I, I think okay. that that was the, the younger boy that I described earlier that I, that I was, the younger, the younger boy who felt uh, either disenfranchised or othered or made to feel inadequate um, by either his father, his peers, or whatever, uh, and and therefore has some deficiency, a feeling of deficiency when it comes to their masculinity, or maybe they're not even consciously aware that they have a feeling of deficiency. It took me, it was quite a journey for me to recognize that. All I knew was that I was rejecting it, and I couldn't quite figure out why, and then those answers came later. So yeah, if somebody actually has a visceral negative response to my book and they're triggered by it and they think, ugh, what garbage, this is toxic, you know, this is, you know, he's perpetuating these social constructs, this and that, I would actually encourage that person to take a deep dive, um, not just into the book, but into themselves and ask themselves, themselves, you know, why am I having this response? It's coming from something. Yeah why am I having this reaction? And if they, if they find that it's for the same reason that I was doing it, which is that deep down there's actually, it's, this actually makes me feel bad about myself. This triggers my feelings of inadequacy and I don't like the way that feels. Okay, there's going to be some helping professionals out there that are going to tell you to stay away from it. Okay, yeah, better to stay away then. I'm going to be a helping professional that says, well, yeah, you could do that, you could also choose to lean further into it and explore it and face it and see what you find and take a deep dive and, and take the journey. That's what I did. And I'm so grateful that I did, you know, but um, I think that it's just in society today, especially, you know, we're, we're living in a time and uh, in a culture where we're taught to avoid things that trigger us. We're learned to simply accept ourselves the way we are rather than try to recognize that maybe there's something that can be improved or work that we can do. And uh, while I don't think that those are bad values that we're being taught, which is avoid certain triggers and accept and love ourselves the way we are now, I think those are great values. I just don't think that the work ends there. I think, yes, avoid certain triggers. If you're an alcoholic, avoid bars. That's a really right. good idea, right? You know, there are some really basic uh, principles that we can apply. Uh, but I don't, think it's, I don't think it's so black and white. I think that there's more to it than that. And, and certain triggers, if we, if we feel that we're in a healthy mental state, and we're strong enough to, to take a deep dive, but maybe keep, keep a harness or a rope, you know, that we can always pull ourselves back out if things get too deep or if, we, or if things get too scary. Uh, I actually think that that's, 
that peering deep into that abyss is one of the best ways to grow. Uh, the old saying, the way out is through, right? It's, uh, yeah. it's you know, go through it to, to get out of it. Uh, so, and I, and I recognize that not everybody is in, is in a healthy enough mental state that they're able to do that. And in some cases, you know, where somebody's in crisis, it's not okay. And they need to stay away from certain things. I recognize that. And people have to be discerning with what they choose to explore and what they choose to stay away from. Um, but yeah, I still stand by what I say. If my book is a trigger, a trigger, um, Maybe consider doing a deep dive if you're, if you're you know, in an okay enough mental state that you'll get through it. It's just going to make you really uncomfortable. Nothing wrong with discomfort. <laughs> in fact, a lot of growth comes from discomfort, you know. So, um, yeah. yeah, I went off on a tangent. Uh, but, yeah, so <laughs> this, well, that's, one that I'm, that's one that I'm passionate about uh, because that was my story. And had I never done what I'm suggesting other guys do or other people do for themselves, I wouldn't be here talking to you today and I would never written this book. So yes, those who feel disenfranchised or othered or put down um, or, you know, by, by masculinity or by, by toxic men, um, yes, this book is absolutely for you. I wrote it for you. I get that better than you understand. <laughs> mm. Not about yeah. masculinity, but the, the principle of that I understand. Well, I've got yeah. I've got a really good friend that, that says when whenever I say something that hits him wrong, he he says he says I go home and I think about it. And I'm like, why did that hit me that way? He says and I mm-hmm. think about it, and I'm like, because I needed to hear it. That's why it hit me that way. <laughs> it's usually the case, yeah. isn't it? It takes a lot of courage. Yeah. To be able to uh, yeah. to lean further into the things that make us uncomfortable, our inclination is yeah. usually to avoid it. Yeah, amen to that. Well, and the thing is, well, and and he knows that that it comes from love when I say it. You know, so I mm-hmm. I think about it, and I think about it, and I say it carefully. I pick my words very carefully when yeah. I say it. You know, so it's it's like okay, she said it for a reason. So let me let me think. Let me let me think about it again. <laughs> you know, right? So you know, and it's like every time he says, "Like, okay, that that's why it hit me this way." Okay, all right. Oh yeah, let me. I have a very similar relationship <laughs> with many of my friends. Is they're like Frank is a source of honesty. It's not always going to land nicely, but it's coming from a place of love. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's one of my, that's one of my things to work on is, uh, is finding the sweet spot between uh, being honest and not always giving my unsolicited opinion. <laughs> More likely <laughs> between being honest and still having compassion. Um, honesty, I think, yeah. is a wonderful virtue, but honesty without compassion can be cruelty. And, um, you know, there's a way to be um, honest without being brutal. Well, that's like when people ask me for my opinion, I'm like, okay, hold on, let me, uh, question, do, do you want blunt or do you want tactful? General, <laughs> <You know? laughs> right, yeah, I like that, yeah, yeah, do you want it which, straight which? or do you want, do you want it with a chaser? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, tell me which yeah. version you want. Do you want a straight shot of whiskey or, yeah, a straight shot of whiskey, no chaser, or do you want like a whiskey and Coke with a lime? (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm I'm giving you the option. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's only it's only fair, you know. So I hear you. But see, you understand. So, so I do. <laughs> tell me tell me what's your what's your main objective with the book? My main objective with the book is to help somebody uh, learn to love themselves a bit more. It, oh. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I want to, you know, I know that there are other guys out there who write about masculinity and they have more of a, uh, their objective is more about society as a whole uh, or taking society back, going back to the basics, you know, uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, that's another conversation. It's a lot, of, lot to unpack there. But I would say that the main objective of this book is I wanted to land in the hands of somebody who felt the way that I felt. And if they close the book and at the end of it they, learn, they have learned to love themselves a little bit more, then that's, that's it. That's the point of the book. Um, my, I imagine that would most likely be with somebody who identifies as a man and somebody who has felt uh, insecure about his masculinity, but doesn't necessarily have to be. It could be anybody. Awesome. Well, like I said, there's a lot of things in there that, that work applied to women. I mean, I there's a lot of stuff I in there that I really like. So, yeah. Well, women I women could certainly I do a values assessment, a strength assessment. There's so much stuff in there that could. I think almost everything I that I probably ninety percent of what I wrote in there um, could still could in one way or another be applied to a woman. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if you know, but I I actually have a program that I developed called um, Learn to Love, Accept, and Respect Yourself. So I'm. I'm very okay. much in yeah. sync with you. So, okay, is there anything in your book that you think would not be found in another book on masculinity? Probably what I mentioned earlier about femininity uh, and and yeah. finding ways to color our masculinity with a little bit of femininity. Uh, while I don't necessarily, I don't frame it that way in the book, essentially I think that that's what I'm doing. If we're going to apply labels to certain behaviors and attributes and qualities, which essentially writing a book about masculinity is doing that, um, but, you know, with some degree of, of subjectivity um, and, and personal ideals. But, yeah, as long as we're, we're looking at it through that lens, I think that I mentioned this earlier in the chapter on on the on body and um, and you know honing and solidifying our body and our physical presence. I think that when I say things like yeah, add in a little bit of fluidity. You don't want to look super stiff, you know. Um, use a little bit of fluidity with your illustrators. It's you know somebody might say that that's incorporating a little bit of femininity into it. Or with voice, when I say, hey, you know, don't just live in your lower register, that's going to sound monotone. It's going to sound like you're trying too hard. Like learn to, you know, <laughs> add a little bit of musicality to your voice. Go up and down with your range. Uh, you know, that's essentially saying use a little bit of your higher register, which somebody would say, okay, you know, when we look at the, the, the average range uh, for the average male voice and the, and the range for the average female voice, uh, you know, women by nature have, have a higher range, men lower. So by saying go a little bit higher every once in a while and color your voice with a little bit of musicality, it's essentially saying don't be afraid 
afraid to add a little bit of femininity to the voice to make it a little bit more nuanced, give it some character, and make it more interesting. Anybody can live down here nonstop and not budge from the lower range. And it's like, okay, now you just sound really monotone and boring. <laughs> There's no emotion behind it. You know, you can, you can add that. You can add that stuff to it and color it. So, yeah, I think that um, most books on masculinity are either going so far in one direction where it's like, you know, emphasizing this kind of maybe overly um, – uh, maybe unrealistic machismo kind of approach to masculinity, or it goes right. so far in the other mm-hmm. di- direction that it's uh, it's neutralizing masculinity and and you know debunking you know masculinity as uh, as 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 ex- uh, you know of, from uh, from having any validity uh, you know that it's you know it's a total social construct and therefore doesn't exist. So I would say that mine isn't really either. It lives somewhere in the middle. It's saying, okay, here's a set of uh, some traditionally masculine ideals that you can apply to yourself in a way that's healthy and authentic, but also don't be afraid to color it with a little bit of character. And if you want to call that character a little bit of femininity to make it more nuanced and, and make it a little bit brighter, then call it that. But, yeah, I would say that's probably how my, my book is different. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, you want to tell the audience how they can find you online? Yeah, so you could just you could look me up frankpaulvignola.com. Uh, that's my website. You'll learn about my coaching there. You'll find social media links. You can get my book there. You can also look up my book on Amazon, Crafting Masculinity, and you could find me on Instagram. You could look me up by name or you could find me at uh, Vignolagram. Vignolagram. I like that. Yeah, Vignolagram. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, very good. I well, I hope that the um, listeners got lots of good information. I know I enjoyed the the interview, and I will have the replay of the show and all your information on my website at lovecoachjourney.com/slash/craftingmasculinity. Nikki, so, thank you so much for this. This was uh, this was awesome chatting with you. Yeah, it was. Like I said, Thanks I for having me on thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Yes, <laughs> definitely. And listeners, I'll be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio.